shower of blessings. It's truly blessing just uh, when you, when I, when I see uh, rain coming down. It's, it's coming down from heaven and the sky. I always think of it as blessing, not as uh, any kind of obstacles. Um, we're on the series, Woman of Influence from the Bible. A woman, uh, truly blessing to us all. And I titled the Ruth, lady named Ruth, uh, as, man, as I was reading the Bible, depicts staying on course. That she would go to the end, never, never giving up. Meaning that our vision, purpose for life should never change. Yes, our strategies may change, but not the vision and not the purpose for living. In companies, generally speaking, when companies are looking for someone to hire, among many things, they look at one thing very, very prudently. Especially if the company is seeking to hire someone in the future to definitely to lead an upper management position or to become upper management place. You know what they look for? They look for longevity as in how long they stayed in their previous companies. Very, very important. We may have a resume that comes this thick. The person, assuming similar qualification, <clears throat> if that person worked in other organizations, not one year, not two years, <clears throat> five years to 10 years and 20 years, they come to the top. We want to look at them. We want to interview them. We want to review them. We want to see them. But those who have changed their jobs every six months, every one year, they're not going to make it. Not only to the interview will be closed, the resume will be not seen in details at all. That's a pretty common belief that I understand it. Companies like steady, dependable people. Your friends like steady and dependable. That's you become good friends. You may have a strange habits other people don't like. At least that your friend admires something about you that's steady and dependable, always there. Family member, the same. So you, the question is, are you dependable? Are you the type of person who stay on course? Or are you likely to go back, change the direction? Well, once upon a time, there was a little town in Bethlehem. There lived a mother named Naomi. Bethlehem was faced with a famine. They didn't have anything to eat. So they packed up 
decided to move to a little place called Moab. This is a pretty big place, a neighboring country. It's kind of like when we had a tough time about some 10 years ago with the recession. Not quite the famine, but it was a difficult time for many, many, many Americans. So they decided to move to this place called Moab. When they got there, they lived for some time. Unfortunately, she lost her husband. Emnerake died. She was lamenting and grieving. The people in Korea suffered quite a bit with the IMF, say, 10, 15 years ago. No difference. As I said earlier, we suffered about 10 years ago with a recession that we have never seen in recent times. We were devastated. People lost their house. People lost their jobs. They didn't know how to pay for the rents, how to pay for school tuition, how to pay for parents or their medicine. They lost a lot. They lost friends. And many of our young people at that time in our church, 10, 20 people standing around, no jobs. And most of them went to Korea to teach English. Some came back, some didn't come back. Naomi, the mother, had two sons. Around that time, both of her sons died as well. She lost everything. She got nothing now. She had no one to depend on. No son to continue the family line. Her first son had a wife named Ruth. And her daughter-in-law, Ruth, was a foreigner. With both of her son dead, husband dead, she certainly faced with misfortune. She was hurting, disappointed, discouraged. She was a grieving widow full of grief and sorrow. And most importantly, during that period of time, no man in the family to continue family life. That's a total devastation. Having lost all men of her life, she realized she can't really not live in that foreign land anymore. But at the same time, she heard that back in Bethlehem, they now have some food. So she decides to return back home. And they packed their belongings, whatever they may had, maybe simple clothing, probably that's about it. 
And they walk towards Bethlehem, her hometown. And both of her daughter-in-law, Ruth included, follow her. And while they're walking, Naomi, the mother, <clears throat> been thinking as they were walking together to Bethlehem from Moab. And approaches them and said, you know, there is absolutely no reason for two of you to come back with me to Bethlehem. First of all, it's not even your country. There's nothing I can do to help you. You are all married or once married. When you go back, go to Bethlehem, a foreign country for you, it's very unlikely that you'll be able to find husband. Going to Bethlehem for you means hard time. There's no hope. If there is hope, if there is that little hope, that will be for me to get married again and have a children so that you wait until that child grows up so you can marry. Think about the age gap. That's the only hope for you. And it's, that's very unlikely because I'm already old. No one's going to take me. And besides, even if you had a chance to get married and have a son or two, you can't wait. You won't wave. You don't need to wait for that. And Naomi, the mother, laments this way to her to daughter-in-law. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to a sons, would you wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, no, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again and again. Then Orf, Fa, the second daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. If you look at that, just think about three of them standing in the path, somewhat in the middle of their pathway. No one around. And having this conversation, realizing that the sky has basically caved in on all of them. A total disappointment, a total devastation, lamentations. They probably held each other, cried and grieved and wept. And Naomi tells them to go back to your country, go back to your parents. Change the course. Can you imagine how they must have felt? 
for Naomi, it's a feeling of total failure, having lost all her men. No hope. No one to take care of them. Didn't know how to even take care of two daughters-in-law. She was totally helpless. And for Ruth, widow at the young age, no real future ahead of them, no children, and going to a foreign country. In those days, it's not like going from here to Canada, from here going to Korea, or going to any other countries. It was different in those days. Imagine that feeling. Probably it's like movies. When you watch some of this World War I, World War II, the challenges the families had because of the conflict with the words and What to do? What do you do? Do I return back? Do I stay on course? But as you know, Ruth makes a decision. Right away, right at that point, to stay on course. About some 55 some years ago, when I was five and six years old, I saw with my own eyes the tears flowing down from my mother's face. And a little bit from my father. He was man. Man don't cry. In those days. My father committed to go and serve in leprosy colony for seven years. Seven years up. Then my father agreed to go a big, huge church as a lead pastor. And I remember seeing my mother and my father, about five or six, the representatives from the church and lepers colony, saying goodbyes. There was tears in all of their faces. The people of the leper did not want my parents to go. But at the same time, they were tormented, letting them go or encouraging my parents to go, that you have served seven years, that you need to go for the sake of the children. That's us, for our education. Because we were so far removed from the society. We need to go to elementary school. And that means we had to move. Our belongings were packed. I remember seeing the dark black truck with all our belongings already loaded up. I remember seeing my parents' tears. Tears of sadness. Tears of not really knowing what to do, even though they're already packed, made a decision to go on. But my mother makes a decision that she would stay for another seven years. That she will not leave. That she will go to the end. She decides to stay on course. She remembered night before, in dream, God speaking to her. She said, for seven years I stayed here because I did not want to stay. It was you 
my husband. You want to stay, not me. But now I want to stay for another seven years. That was a based on total faith. Not knowing what's going to happen to us, the children. And she made a decision to stay. And we unload truck right at that time. And we stayed there another roughly six additional years. For us, that meant getting ridiculed in society. Because everybody would know that we lived in a leprosy colony. We can't go and explain to them, hey, we're normal people. We don't have that disease. As long as you're coming from that town called leprosy colony, we'll be, a rock, we'll be ridiculed. Stones were thrown at us. So many bleeding in my head. Calling us the cheap of lepers' kids. And yet, she said, I will stay for another seven years. That decision defined her, and that decision defined our family, and that decision defined me. Our Lord Jesus Christ went through same emotional torment. He too lamented, grieved, and wept. He was tormented to the point where he considered the possibility of removing the cup, the responsibility, but he denied. He made a decision. He made a decision to stay on course, that he'll go to the end even to the point of pouring sweat and blood from his forehead, he stayed on course to persecution, ridicules, and suffering. His decision to stay on course defined him as the Savior. His decision fulfilled what was promised by our God that he will sow what grace looks like. His decision to stay on course defined us. Ruth makes the decision to stay on course. Seemingly, yes, there is no hope knowing that she will not be able to get married in foreign land. Still, she makes decision to stay on course. And there was hard work, poverty were waiting for them because they had no male providers. Knowing all that, she decides to stay on course. She makes a total, total commitment. She makes a very famous speech. A speech of loyalty, total commitment, 
and total faith in God. Ruth 1.16 But Ruth replied, Don't urge me, mother, to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. This statement, your people will be my people and your God, my God, is not just Ruth saying to her mother-in-law. Remember, this is scripture. It is not just about storytelling. As all scripture is written by God, this is God saying, this is God showing us how we are to live and how he will then take care of us if we have a total commitment to his vision, to his purpose. This statement, this verse, or this saying by Ruth, is God-ordained. It is epiphany of faith and revelation of what is to come. Just look it. Your people will be my people. Who says those things? Your people will be my people. You know, we, this global society that we live in today, the foreigners come to the United States, they still identify themselves with the country they came from. Not the United States. And we go to foreign countries, we do the same. But she says, your people will be my people. That's total conversion. That's a total conversion. Just like Paul, there was total conversion from being a non-believer, Christian persecutor, to solid Christian. Total conversion. Then Ruth said, your God, my God. You see, that is total faith. Totally yielding to the will of God. How can anybody say, without quite understanding, yet knowing, say, your God, my God. She knows something. She was inspired by God. And she makes total commitment to faith. Then Ruth says, where you go, I will go. That's total commitment. Ruth said, Where you stay, I will stay. That sounds like a total sacrifice to me. Wouldn't you say so? Total sacrifice. So you have it in that verse, that statement, a total conversion, a total faith, total commitment, and total sacrifice. It takes total conversion, total commitment, total faith and total sacrifice to be found favor in God's eyes. The ultimate favor from God's eyes. And to be found in favor 
in God's eyes. One, we need to believe. Second, we need to do. We need to act. Believe. Last week, David still talked about it. Believing, justified by faith, not by work. Paul was speaking to non-believers like Pharisees. But James also said, that's good. Once you become a believer through being, believing in faith, you are then justified by what you do, not by faith alone. He was speaking to believers like us. In this statement, in this verse, in this saying, Ruth exercised both. Total faith in God when she said, your God, my God, and justified by work when she said, will you go, I will go. Will you stay, I will stay. Faith is believing in God's provision. Works take sacrifice. Sacrifice is intentional act. That's what God desires to see on us. And Jesus showed us the way. Jesus showed us how to stay on course with a total faith and total work. He suffered. He sacrificed. He did not turn back. And yet, at the end, there was resurrection. There was victory. Even Jesus received ultimate favor from God. And they decide to go on, stay on course. Well, God must have found favor with Ruth. Ruth meets Boaz, a distant relative of her father-in-law. If this man, Boaz, finds favor with Ruth and marries Ruth as allowed by the reverent law of Jews, then they are home free. They, are res- they will be rescued. They will be redeemed. And their family can continue. So Ruth seeks out both Boaz and God. Because in this context, Boaz is portrayed as a symbolic redeemer. You see, in fact, Boaz is legally Ruth's guardian redeemer, or known as kinsman redeemer. The only one, the only one, at that time. Like we say, Jesus is the only one, the one. At that time, Boaz was the only one who can redeem the family line for Naomi and Ruth. He was the only one who can provide for Naomi 
and Ruth. So Ruth seeks God's favor. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. Now, in this context, she's speaking to Boaz. But in a big overall context of the Old Bible, Old Testament relating to New Testament, she's also speaking to God. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. God finds Ruth favor in his eyes. So as Boaz. So Boaz marries Ruth. Boaz is happy because he now have a young wife. Ruth is happy to have this mature and sensitive and caring husband. Naomi sees the glory of God as her husband, Emily Gray, can now continue with his family line. And amazing grace is that our Lord Jesus Christ was born through them. You see in that slide the woman of Bible that we've been talking so far. We started with the Tema. Last week was uh, Rahab. Today, Ruth. Next week will be Seba. In Matthew 1 through 16. I mean, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. The record of a genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez, Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. We spoke about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth what we are talking about today. Obed, the father of Jess. Jess, the father of King David. Then 14 generations later, Messiah was born. The lesson is this. When you stay on course, the best is yet to come. When you stay on course, the best is yet to come. We don't know what that is, but as long as you have a faith, as long as you sacrifice and you do in faith, best is yet to come. Story Brothers is about a series of setbacks, but it is about hope. We all have experienced griefs and sorrows and pains. Sometimes we hit rock bottom, the pit. Sometimes we feel like we have no one to turn to. Sometimes we just want to give up. Sometimes we don't know which way to go, which road to take. And yet when you stay on course, we will experience 
victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter where you are, if you believe God as Ruth did, saying, your God, my God, and staying on course without wavering as Ruth did, saying, your people will be my people, you will find favor in God's eyes, and he will give you hope and victory. God will reveal you the path that he has planned all along as he did with Ruth by giving her Boaz as a husband and her offsprings eventually giving birth to Jesus. Now all the stories of the Bible points to Jesus and grace. Ruth meeting Boaz and being redeemed is showing what Jesus would be to us as the Savior, the Redeemer. God gives Ruth victory and grace. Ruth, the foreigner, being appointed by God to bear the descendants of Christ Jesus is grace. That is victory. And on a lighter note, on a lighter note, Tamar's name means what? Palm trees. Jesus, when he rode donkey to enter Jerusalem, people shouted Hosanna as they waved with palm tree. Ruth, you know what Ruth means? Ruth means companion friendship. And we say, what a friend we have in Jesus. And Jesus said to us, you are my friend if you do what I command. In other words, if we believe and do by staying in course with Jesus, then we are his friends. Let us pray. Father, thank you. We, um, we say that you are our friend.